Thank you for tuning in to Mule Mountain Messages, encouraging words from the pulpit of the Community Church of Warren in historic Bisbee, Arizona. Today, we continue our look through the book of Genesis, the book of beginnings. Our services are Sunday at 10.30 a.m. and Wednesday prayer and Bible study at 5.30. Please come and join the family. Well, there was a young fella who lived on a farm. After a pretty successful Easter egg hunt, he decided he was going to play a joke. And so he got all the colored Easter eggs and he went in the hen house and he swapped out the eggs with the colored eggs. Well, a little later that day, the rooster came in and he saw all those colored eggs and he promptly went out and beat up the peacock. I kind of like that one. All right, so we are cruising in and we're kind of closing fast in our look at Genesis and just to kind of whet your appetite, uh, what's up next on the docket for going through is we're going to go through Luke and then we'll go through Acts. So those will be the next two books that we go through, but we got a little bit of time, another week or so in uh, in Genesis. But but again, like I mentioned last week, I don't know, I've really enjoyed this. It's been a great uh, primer about the foundations of our faith. And like I said, I think last, well, wasn't last week, but the last time we met, that Genesis actually covers um, half of the time of the New Testament. So the, or the Old Testament. And so now from the books on, that's the other half of the narrative of the Old Testament. But the time of the patriarchs is coming to a close. And so we're looking at this and we have uh, Jacob, Israel, who is dying. And he's called all his sons into the room and at least two of his grandsons, right? And, and so they all gathered and there's probably more because he had a pretty extensive family. And so there's probably a pretty big room. And they all knew that this was going to be Jacob's last day alive. And there were some things that Jacob wanted to do that he was compelled to do that God told him to do before his time was done. And so we discussed how Jacob blessed Joseph's two sons and gave them an extra an extra blessing an extra um, basically an extra parcel right the two sons actually became the heads of tribes of of Israel and he prophesied over all his sons some of it was some of it was good some of it was not so good and we looked at how their actions affected future generations and how our actions can affect our future generations, especially our children. And I think I kind of alluded or I kind of shared with you, you know, our own story and our family with alcohol. And it goes way back. I mean, and uh, probably back to my great grandfather, but certainly my grandfather. Now he, 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 we had for a long time, I don't know if we still have it, his still, right? I mean, he was making moonshine over the divide. And 
you know, it's bad enough he's making moonshine, but but at least he could have sold it and made some money, but he didn't do that. It was, you know, like two for me and a half for you, basically. But but that alcohol, and then it put it, but you know, it's kind of humorous with all that, but but it really affected especially two of my uncles. You know, I think I've shared my story of my Uncle Cal, who uh, back in the early 60s, they didn't have a lot of the alcohol treatments and stuff they had today. It was basically, um, he knew he had to change, and he went to some friend's house, and he said, you got to help me. And so the stronger of the friends was the wife. They put him in the room by himself, and, and he went through all the DTs and everything all by himself, uh, seeing the little people and all that, and screaming and hollering. And, and uh, the husband was like, I can't take this anymore. I'm going to get him a drink. And the wife said, nope. He said, he's going to go walk out of there. Or we're going to carry him out of there. But this ends. And so um, he was so... He was so into alcohol that we think that his appendix burst when he was going through all that and he didn't even realize it. And he's lived, you know, but but it was um, it was a hardcore. But he he got off of it. I had another uncle who never did, who never did. And it's sad. And and so this this generational thing. But, you know, you can break it. You can, through Jesus Christ, you can break those generational curses. But in Genesis here, we saw the sons and, and Jacob prophesied over them. And some, again, was okay and some wasn't, but uh, it was what it was. And so he also said that, the Bible also tells us that he gave each of his sons, though, an individual blessing. Each according to his blessings is what the word says. And then Jacob, then he reminds all his sons about his desired arrangements for his burial. He told them where he wanted to be buried. Now, you remember, he had told Joseph this, but now he's telling everybody. He didn't want any misunderstandings between his boys, so he told them all. And he knew his sons. He probably knew that there would have been some headache some way. But, and Jacob starts by saying, I am to be gathered to my people. So he was telling them, yeah, I'm going to die. And I want to be back where my people, Abraham and Sarah, Isaac and Rebecca. And interestingly enough, Leah was buried there. He says, I want to be gathered to there. I want to go there. But I think also when he said, I'm going to be gathered to my people, I think there was also the spiritual sense that he knew that he was going to be reunited with Abraham and Isaac and Sarah and Rebecca and Leah and Rachel. He was going to be reunited with them in death. It's going to be a reunion. And it's a lot like we who follow Jesus. When we pass on, we join, like it says in Hebrews, that great cloud of witnesses. It'll be a reunion. And we are assured that when we pass on, we'll have the greatest reunion of all with our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ.
Well, Jacob tells him again, he reiterates it. He says, I want to be taken to the cave at Machpelah, the cave where the patriarchs are buried. The ones to whom the Abrahamic covenant was given and through whom it was to be fulfilled. In fact, today it's called the tomb or the cave of the patriarchs. There's a big church there. There's a big mosque there. There's a big thing. People go and visit. Now, is it really where it is? I don't know. I mean, I don't know that we can ever really know for sure. But what it does do is it does remind us of God's faithfulness in keeping his promises. Even though God may add a little suspense in the keeping of his promises, at least from our perspective. He promised Abraham, hey, you're going to be a mighty nation. Your descendants are going to be like the sand of the sea. And then he waits till Sarah's 99 years old to get for her to be pregnant. Or like Abraham telling Abraham to take Isaac to Mount Moriah to sacrifice him. And then at the last second to say, all right, you know, you've, you've passed this test we you um your faith basically and he provided the sacrificial lamb and the idea of then the drama of isaac rebecca having twins and the younger twin getting the blessing and then jacob's trials with laban and he ends up with just not one wife but two wives and two concubines and 12 sons and a daughter for sure. So a little bit of excitement at times when God carries out and answers his promises, but we can always trust in him. You know, I mentioned earlier that it is a little bit interesting, I think, that uh, Jacob deeply loved Rachel. I mean, he was the one that he wanted to marry He's the one that he worked for 14 years to, to be able to marry. But she isn't buried in the cave. It was more important for him to be with Abraham, Isaac, Abraham and Isaac. So that that, that cave can serve not as a burial plot, but a symbol of God's faithfulness. And I think it's also a big honor that later we're going to read a show next week that when Joseph dies, he's also will be buried there. And, you know, I know that several weeks ago we talked about the themes of the Bible and these themes often repeat themselves. And the theme that we're kind of hearing here in this narrative, in this story is of God's faithfulness to us and God's faithfulness to keep his promise. And I think as circumstances get more and more difficult, we need to be reminded that God is faithful. God keeps his promises to those to whom trust in him, to those who he calls his children, those who receive and believe Jesus. And how do we know? Because we have the witness of thousands of years of biblical history and of Christians.
to remind us and show us that God is faithful. Well, after making his wishes known and understood, Jacob was done. The Bible tells us that he puts his feet up on the bed, lays down, and was gone. Just like that. Peaceful. You know, and it's almost like God was speaking into his ear. He's saying, okay, you're done. Okay, you're done. Or, I had this vision too. You guys remember that show, Touched by an Angel? And those angels always showed up, and then, it, you know, the one is like, okay, go ahead, go play your last baseball game, and then you're going to come with me, or whatever it was. You know, and so the, so the Touched by the Angel angels might have been there and saying, okay, go ahead, lay down, we're ready to go. However it was, his earthly time was done. And in a very peaceful manner, he does, he passes away. And again, like I said, this is, for me, the end of this time of the patriarchs. And after a brief 400 years, the time of the judges, the prophets, and the kings will start. But regardless of how faithful a person is, regardless of the fact that we know that someone will be with the Lord, it still stings, doesn't it? It still hurts. And the Bible records Joseph's grief at the loss of his father. It says, Then Joseph fell on his father's face and wept over him and kissed him. He was genuinely heartbroken at the loss of his father. And after weeping and after this time of mourning, or this, this initial time anyway, Joseph orders his servants and the physicians to begin the embalming process for Jacob. Now this really is a sign of how well he's respected in Egypt because they didn't just do that for everybody. It was done for very important people or royalty. And it was a very sophisticated process. I won't get into it all here. Lunch is coming up. But it's a sophisticated process. And it took 40 days to complete. In the mean, and concurrently going on with that, there was a 70-day mourning period that all of Egypt went into. See, that shows how greatly respected Joseph was, or Jacob was. It shows that he finished strong in his faith. It shows that he left a legacy of faith. And really, that should be where we are. We should strive to finish strong. We should strive to leave a legacy of faith. We should, um, we, when we go, when we go home to be with the Lord, People, uh, we want to leave something good behind. We want to finish strong. So while this is going on, and even though Jacob or Joseph was very well, was a leader in Egypt, was very well respected in Egypt. 
the Bible tells us that he still had a boss. He was still accountable to somebody. And he couldn't just take up and do what he wanted to do. And so he says, now when the days of his mourning were past, Joseph spoke to the household of Pharaoh, saying, if now I have found favor in your eyes, please speak in the hearing of Pharaoh, saying, my father made me swear, behold, I'm dying in my cave, which I dug for myself in the land of Canaan. There you shall bury me. Now, therefore, please let me go up and bury my father and I will come back. And Pharaoh said, go up, bury your father as he made you swear. You see, Joseph, even though he was number two man in, in the land, he was still accountable to somebody. And see, accountability is very important in the life of a believer. We should all be accountable to somebody. There is, unfortunately, this tendency sometimes for believers to want to go it alone, to want to do it alone. But the Bible tells us clearly, clearly that iron sharpens iron and one man sharpens another. We are, of course, accountable to God. And we're told that we will give ourselves, all of us will give an account of ourselves to God. But 1 Thessalonians tells us, encourages us to uh, build each other up. Encourage one another and build each other up. And if we allow ourselves to be accountable, if we allow ourselves to be encouraged, then we'll have a more fulfilling walk with the Lord a more fruitful walk with the Lord. We're better if we allow ourselves to be accountable to others. If it was certainly good enough for Joseph, it was good enough for us. Well, Pharaoh let Joseph go and he and the brothers went. They went to go bury their father and afterwards they all returned to Egypt to live out their lives. And like Jacob and Joseph and his brothers can be very thankful to God for what he's done in our life. And we can be very thankful to the Lord for having a plan for our life. Just like he had a plan for Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. And I got to tell you as I close out, one of the things that's very evident in Genesis is that God had a very deep love for Abraham and Isaac and Jacob and Joseph and all his people. But you know what? God has that same love for us and God has that same plan for us. And we can rest in that and we can know that and we can count on that. And we can lean on that. Amen? Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we thank you for your plan for our lives. We thank you, Lord, for how you work in our lives. Father, we thank you that we can read your word 
and know that the same love and compassion that you show uh, our forefathers in the word, you show to us. Father, you are the same yesterday, today, and forever. And we can thank you for that. So Father, lead us and guide us as we go forth, walking in the power of your love. In Jesus' name we pray, amen.